Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Byron Katie is a spiritual teacher and the author of many amazing books, including Loving What Is and The Mind at Home with Itself. Decades ago, after what was a miraculous awakening involving a cockroach, she developed a method of self-inquiry simply called the work. The work is both radical and simple. Essentially, it suggests that it's our thoughts about what happened that cause us suffering and not the actual event. The event happened, it's in the past, yet we continue to obsess and struggle with it, even though it's not part of our current reality. The work revolves around four questions. Is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? How do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Who would you be without that thought? And then you do turnarounds. In our chat, Katie explains why these questions and the turnarounds are so essential, and then she takes me through the work, which is so helpful. I do want to note that Katie's method is triggering for some people, as she asks people to dig into and sit with reality of what can be painful and traumatic memories and experiences. She is not condoning the event or what happened. Her point and the revelation of the work is that we continue to abuse ourselves with our thoughts long after it happened. And there's no relief in that effort. There are so many ways to change the world. And we can do it from where we are if we're wise enough to be in touch with it. And we needn't feel guilty. This is earth school. This is where we discover what matters. And and the world is in us. I'll let Byron Katie take it from here. I... I'm so sad not to be with you in person because I know you have famously violet eyes and I wish I could sit next to you and look in your face. Oh, oh well, I, well, we'll just make it a date. Well, thanks for sending me your books. I'm probably the very, very, very last person to the the inquiry party, to the work party, but I loved it and I've been trying to practice it with some fervor to try it. it. It bends my mind, even though it's so simple, but it is mind bending. So I'm excited to get to ask you about it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you in, enjoyed the books. And um, are you um, are you familiar? It doesn't sound like you are familiar with the work for breakfast. No, that's your daily. Is that your daily Zoom call? It is. And it's from 9 a.m. to 10 Pacific time and every day. And Elise, I love it. I love it. I love it. And yes, it's mind bending. But as anyone can see, and there's several thousand people that come to that breakfast. But as anyone watching can see, it's so simple. And yes, it bends your mind. It's like something is tweaking your head. But at the same time, it's like a homecoming. It's, yeah. it's a dropping in. And it's it's like you're falling into a unrecognizable place. And at the same time, it's right. It, it, yeah. it matches like your heart. It's a, there's a thing like, it's like questions that we have never, that we didn't even know were there are answered. And we meet those answers and things start to make sense. But I, I love it, Elise. I love it. And, and I love that it's so it's so simple that anyone with an open mind can do it. And it doesn't take a teacher and it doesn't yeah. take a it doesn't take a book to read. It's just it's just one sitting in themselves out of that questioning mind to see what arises. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because 
of all the times I would, I would imagine that this strange pause that we're all in is the perfect time for people. You know, there's no numbing, right? Or there's some numbing, but there's not as much numbing. There's not as much busyness. We certainly are left alone with ourselves. And there's no coffee shop to go to. There's no workplace to go to. You know, some of us, we're just, there we are. There we are. (laughs) And the thing that I love, too, about loving what is, is beyond sort of the explanation of of the work, which we should should probably set the table with what the four questions are and and the turnaround, but Mm -hmm. that it's you know, that it is and that and that your other books are in conversation. And so you can find your even when even when the problems that people are presenting to you that are then enacted over the pages, even when they don't seem relevant, there's so much wisdom in it, and you can apply it. It's it's makes it really fun to read. So let's start at the beginning. And I know you in 1986, sort of had a, a complete awakening and you know at the end of like a 10 year downward spiral that I don't want any human being ever ever to have to live through if there is another way and what happened at the end of that you know that that suicidal wanting to die and life so painful and depression agoraphobia uh, it, it was it, it, there were days I couldn't even get out of bed except to <laughs> go to the bathroom it was horrible and then as you as you pointed to a few moments ago one day as I lay sleeping on the floor you want to hear this yes so one day as I lay sleeping on the floor because I didn't believe my self-esteem was so low I didn't believe I even deserved a bed to sleep on now that is sick and so sleeping on this floor one morning a cockroach crawled over my foot And I opened my eyes, and before the ego had an opportunity to fill in that space, I saw how my world was created. I tried, it shifted me in a way that even my children didn't recognize me. Same body, different consciousness. And, and so it took a lot of adjusting, but they were really happy for it because there was a kindness and compassion replacing all that misunderstanding, miserable mother, <laughs> depressed mother. But I saw that no matter how I tried, I could, people said, you know, what happened, what happened, what happened? And I couldn't, you know, they wanted this gift that I had received and it, there are no words for it. There aren't words. I tried, tried, and tried. And then I saw that if I, if I just, I, what I had to give, we all have. And that I, I knew clearly. And I saw that I saw the cause of all suffering. And the cause of all suffering is what we're thinking and believing. Mm-hmm. What we have is what I came out with and has never changed. Same old, same old. The work is a way of identifying the thoughts that cause our suffering and a way to question those thoughts. The work is four questions and turnarounds. And what I mean by turning around is we find opposites just to try on just to try them on, like he doesn't care about me. If the opposite is, he does care about me. Now, the ego doesn't like that because we're so convinced. But what does that mean to me? He does care about me. So now I'm just, you know, the work is a meditative, it's a meditative experience, practice. And so you just meditate in, he does care about me. And then you just kind of just open your mind to, he does care about me. Could that possibly? Is it possible? And so you meditate, and sometimes it's shocking what you see. Mm. And, and just to experience that. And and because we're not just doing opposites, those four questions have educated us. And so those turnarounds make more sense because we're coming out of a more compassionate 
caring, loving state of mind. And then another turnaround, he doesn't care about me. Another opposite would be, I don't care about him. And then I begin to look at those ways that I have that I have said things and done things and maybe talked behind his back or maybe belittled him or I don't care about him. And oh my gosh, because I've said in those questions, it, 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 it rips my heart out. And, and you just experience the feelings. And it's funny how the guilt where you think it would make it worse, it doesn't. The guilt begins to melt away as we get that 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 closer look into ourselves and as a direct result of sitting in those four questions those turnarounds oh they're so powerful and then let's see another turnaround he doesn't care about me he does care oh here's one i don't care about me mm. and that doesn't take a person like me and I never forget. It's just that when I look back on that, it's there's no pain. I'm awake to the cause of suffering. And so I can remember the past and all I feel is compassion for me. And then I have, my, this work is always free on ByronKatie.com, 100% free. It's just, it's free. And the worksheets are there, but there's a worksheet with six questions on it that you just fill in and you just put your mind on paper and follow the the instructions and there it is. And for anyone who's open to it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in this pandemic, we have that hour work for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Give people a little, you know, a little support there. And so, you know, you know, at least that's the work. That's it. Yeah. I like to say, judge your neighbor, write it down, ask four questions, turn it around and and have a good life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this idea. I, I heard something similar and I know in the preamble to the book, I think it's your husband, he quotes, you know, the Greek philosopher Epic, Epictetus. I'm probably butchering that. We are disturbed not by what happens to us, but by our thoughts about what happens. And it's not the world that's the problem, right? It's the way that we contact the world. It's the way that we interpret reality and that that's what causes us stress anxiety fear etc and and it can cause us beautiful things and joy and that's fine the work isn't the work is like keep the good feelings but it is Mm -hmm. an opportunity to stop punishing or terrorizing ourselves with bad feelings about things that either have happened or could happen or that are as you say insane because they're not tethered in reality yeah, yeah, it's like something terrible is going to happen. And then we see, you know, we imagine like we're going to lose all our money. We don't have jobs. They're going to evict me. My children are going to go hungry. And these things swim in some of us, depending on the conditions we find ourselves in in this time of in place. And before the in place, before the COVID 19, you know, they, they go on. It's the ego's attempt to survive. You know, I see I see me at breakfast this morning with Stephen and and that's the past. And I see me at dinner tonight with Stephen as I'm here talking to you. And that's the future. You know, maybe I'm wondering what's for dinner or I didn't like what was for breakfast. I mean, all these things are going on and I'm missing. There mm-hmm. is a part of missing this experience with you if I am not awake to the not now, not now, not now. And just to awake, that is not now. I'm here now. And you know what I love about that, Elise, is there's nothing that we can't deal with right now because everything we need to deal with it is here right now. There's, I can't deal with the past or future, but to deal with what is right now you know, it, it's like I say all the true masters at home doing the dishes happily. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just now, yeah. now, now. Yeah. It's, it's such a service and it's kind and there's no guilt in it. Yeah. I want to talk about sort of the false this false narrative that stress and anxiety is, is what makes us active and productive in a minute. But even just 
feeding off of what you just said about the housework, I loved that section in the book when you're talking about, you know, railing in your pre-awake, a pre-enlightened days against your children for not picking, because I have two small kids who aren't even old enough to pick up their own stuff, but talking about railing against them for picking up, not picking up their socks on the floor until you were like, had this revelation. Can you just sort of talk about it? Because I think it's so, it's so relevant to all of us. It is. And it's such a great lesson. It's like all for years, three children, pick up your socks. It's not fair. I pick up your socks. You leave this work for me. It's time you learn to pick up your socks. Take them to the dun, the dun, the dun. And every day I go in, the socks are on the floor. The socks are on the floor. Three, three children, three bedrooms, socks are on the floor. So finally, when the work found me, I walked in, all the socks are on the floor. And I'm thinking, oh, my God goodness. They didn't pick up their socks again. I've been asking and asking and asking. And I had the thought, obviously, they don't care. It's not a bother to them. It, it doesn't, they, they have other interests. I'm the one that wants the socks up. I'm the one. I'm the one. And I started picking up the socks. It was all for me. And it's like every day I'd go in and I, I never said pick up the socks because they, they already knew that. Years of practice and what I wanted. And I would just happily pick up the socks, meaning all the laundry, the bedrooms, everything. And I became so happy with it. With, in other words, non-complaining, just doing my job, doing the dishes and pleasing me throughout, throughout our home. And then they started picking up the socks they started doing the dishes. They started, it was, it was everything. I, the harmony in me just permeated the household over a period of time. And at least I didn't expect that. Yeah. And yeah. No, but it's true because we all have our preferences for how we want things to be in the world. Right. And we, and then to try and it makes it sounds insane, right? Like uh, that my husband should have the same standard of housekeeping as I do, or that my kids should, right? If it's my standard, I can I need to deliver against it. If they're happy to live in a mess, then they're happy to live in a mess. Yeah, and also we've heard it said over and over again that example is the best teacher. Well, that's what I was left as, an example. And it wasn't an intentional example. And I, I was just living out of my own bliss, giving me the life I always wanted. I want them to pick up the socks, skip the middleman. BK, pick up the socks. And I would just do it. And it just continued to flow that way. And I think that, that just setting that example showed them how to live. And they could, my words and my attitude, it, it, you know, that's not the teacher that my children were looking for. And I had no idea. And it's certain, and I didn't know another way. I had to, to have a little wake up call and, oh my gosh, it was the end of suffering for, you know, like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what percentage for my family. And it's still (laughs) ongoing. My children are Oh my gosh, they are not the parent that I was. And I'm not the I'm not the grandparent that I had. <laughs> In terms of relationships because and maybe this is an example, maybe when you start to shift, everyone around you starts to shift and change. But I was thinking about this in, in the last few days as I've been trying to do the work and not get twisted about things around which I have no control. How do you react when like the other night, my husband went to pick up food and then was he was getting twisted because it, they had, in his mind, lied to him about how long it would be and yada, yada, yada. And, I, and he was like texting me and it was actually his anxiety or stress was stressing me out. And I, how do you how do you get other people to do the work? <laughs> I don't. That is something that is something that it's, gosh, I don't have control over what other people are thinking and believing, but I can and see what I'm thinking and believing. And, and I would question, like, he's, you know, what was your thought about him? He should, he should be calmer. Yeah. 
my thought was they always this is the reality of this place and who cares just like Mm -hmm. read a book in the car (laughs) what thought would it be it's like they're always like this that was his thought I guess my thought for him was why why do you have to be so angry okay or easy easily angered or easily irritated Okay, he shouldn't be so easily irritated. Let's look at those questions. So he shouldn't be so easily irritated. So now you're just going to meditate in that question, and we're talking about your husband, him. Right. Not not some, not some husband of your imagination, but him. <laughs> he shouldn't be so easily irritated. Is it true? He's been standing I mean, in the line. You know, not someone else's husband is yours. <laughs> He's been standing in that line. Dun, 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 dun. He shouldn't be so irritated. Is it true? And for those of you listening to this, the answer to there are only four questions. And the first two, the answer is one syllable only. It's either yes or no. And this is this is private work. It's personal work. You're just looking for your own answer, not what you want it to be but what you become aware of. So he shouldn't anger so easily. Is it true? Remembering that yes is equal to no. You're just looking for the truth. Yours and and what appears to you, what's shown to you. I mean, I know how this plays out. I want to say yes, but I know it's no. Yeah, but but don't, don't go there so easily. I mean, and, and you didn't, so you you know it's no, because that's yeah. how your husband gets. You know who he is. You know how he is when he stands in line and he's da 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 da. Yeah. So no, no. Now, again, that's not your imaginary husband. That's your husband. Now, notice how you react. What happens? So close your eyes. Notice in that situation, be in that situation, that time and place, just as it was, and notice how you reacted when you believe the thought he shouldn't anger so easily. It makes me feel anxious and scared. Yes. Now, where do you feel those emotions? In my chest. Okay. You feel them? So Yeah. So now just let them be. They're they're just feelings, they're emotions. They're not enemies. Anytime you feel emotion like that, the cause is what you're thinking and believing. It's okay. Okay, so you're noticing how you react when you believe the thought. Now you see an image like a, a you see an image of past your husband in the past, your husband in the future, when you were experiencing those feelings, when you were thinking he shouldn't anger so easily. You see a future in your mind's eye where he's going to continue to be angry and it's going to affect dinner or whatever the cause. You see that in your mind's eye? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you look at the past when you expected him just to come home and in your mind's eye, he was going to come home and, and, and he was so happy or not wasn't. You're, you're seeing him coming home in the past when he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And you see how, how fun that was and, and great. So now you're, you're witnessing the husband of the past the husband of the future. And now look at your husband in the middle. Like get out of the dream world, drop the dream. Who would you be without that past future? Mm-hmm. Now look at your husband just as he is. What do you see? Without your story. You know how we, we have these yeah. post-its we put on our refrigerator? Okay, take all those post-its off of him. And look at him and listen to him and be there now. Yeah. No, what he's you- the best. Oh. He's, I oh. know. He's so, that was magical. He is so gentle and peaceful. Oh, honey. Now, there he is. 
There he is. Now, was it your husband that was the cause of those emotions? Or was it you in the dream world of Mm -hmm. the not your husband now? Right. And notice and notice how you react when you believe the thought. Notice, just stand in his shoes for a moment, like from his position, look at you and your reaction and how you react when you believe the thought he shouldn't anger so easily. Right. And then we get a good look at ourselves. Because often we just give him the look of sometimes scorn, sometimes impatience. Sometimes we don't even have to say a word, but they know what we mean. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You shouldn't anger so easily. Before we turn around, Elise, did did you experience the compassion in that fourth question? Looking at the connection. Yeah, because I feel like I manage my verbal response to him, but I, but my, sometimes my nervous system reacts anyway. And so it was so interesting just to physically melt that. Yeah. So one way you're trying, the other way you are. Right. Yeah. That, that you want that authentic self, that compassion. Loving, connected, and we fall so deeply in love, it gets scary. I mean, <laughs> oh, gosh, you know, you look at a flower and it's equal to your husband. And then just, I mean, you, you just, at, at, at first, you just have to get used to this. It's just, it wakes, it just wakes us up to our true nature. So let's mm. turn shouldn't anger so easily, turn it around. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't anger so easily. So in that situation... Look at you. I shouldn't anger so easily. What, what, how do you relate to that? I, in that situation, I shouldn't anger so easily. I, it makes sense to me in the sense that I might not express it as anger, but that I am just, I'm a highly reactive person. Okay. See how you do that? Mm-hmm. It's like we hide it, but we have to leave some little breadcrumb or they won't learn their lesson. Or, you know, it's, I shouldn't anger so easily in that situation. Maybe his on a scale from one to 10 is a 10. And maybe yours is just mild irritation. Mm-hmm. But that mild irritation is like the princess and the pea. It leaves a bruise and a resentment yeah. and things build. And then they come off sometimes like like an explosion. Right. And they cause depression, and and we feel guilty when we react out of out of what we're believing, like what we're looking at, and it's and guilt is the cause. It is like the the fuel for addiction, compulsive mm-hmm. over. People are really dealing with that stuck in place and alcohol, cigarettes, compulsive thing, whatever it is for each one of us, it's guilt is hard and to over. And so we don't have to see, we don't have to look at that. We try to, to shift it into something else. We, yeah, yeah we add or- you, you mentioned in your book, which just like hit me hard, where you say that so many of us have an addiction to being right. I yes. certainly, that's yes. resonant. God, that's and hard, Lisa, it's hard. <laughs> I know. But it's that, yeah, that corrective sort of like, it's almost feels maternal, like scoldy. You shouldn't feel that way. It's like, as you say, there's my business, your business, and God's business, and how he reacts is none of my business. Yeah. It's like, I just need to stay in my business and take care of me because there's a lot to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, would I work so, why would I work so hard on them when I need so much work? <laughs> yeah. No, it's oh, true. I'd yeah. so much, I, like so many of us, I'd so much rather work on everyone else and save the world and... And not not saving ourselves first. What what do we have to save the world with? Yeah, you know, it it just doesn't make sense to anything but an ego. 
okay, so he shouldn't anger so easily. So let's find another opposite. He should. He should anger so easily. Okay, so look at that situation. Be there now. He should anger so easily. So how do you see that fits in that situation? That's a hard one in the context of the work because (laughs) theoretically he shouldn't. It's just the reality is that this restaurant is unreliable and it's kind of to be expected. But still, he should anger so easily. They don't get it right. He's been standing in line and all this time, they still don't have it right. And did he want to go in the first place? Yes, he did. Well, maybe. I don't know. I can't know that that's true. Oh, so we're just contemplating, look at it. Maybe he was trying to be a nice guy and then the line, who knows? But it's worth a discussion, you know, just, oh, by the way, honey, you know, you, you seem to be a little, little rough around the edges the other day when you left. And I just wonder, what was it like for you, you know, mm. standing and bringing that back for us. You are so amazing. And what was that like for you? I was a little short and and it was, you know, I was just so wrapped up in, in myself, as it turns out, that I didn't get a chance to ask you. And, you know, can you see that, how the discussions that come out of this? So we get to know our partners at a whole other level when we begin to questioning what, question what we believe about them. And yeah. um, it's so powerful. And then there's there's a whole, you know, six questions on that worksheet on byronkatie.com. And and we can sit, a person can fill that in and and just do what you and, and, and I have just done. They can sit alone with themselves and do that with everything they write down. And the thing we write down on that worksheet is simply what we were thinking and believing in any given situation that caused us stress. And it is fun and it takes courage. And it takes, but if you, but for people that want to be right, it can be tough. <laughs> A little, <laughs> little difficult to start with, to get started with. But once, once you get the hang of it, it's like, it, Wanting to be right just kind of goes by the wayside when you're sitting alone with yourself. Well, I imagine that this idea of freedom or that you don't need to experience these consistently stressful and anxious thoughts would certainly make my addiction to being right seem less compelling. Oh, it does. It makes us, it's, it's like I'm the best listener I know. I, mm. it's, can't talk a lot, obviously, but when when someone's talking, it doesn't matter what they say. Oh my gosh, I'm such a good listener because it, they grow me. And mm. any 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 time that I would judge them, I would do exactly what you and I have just done together. I would do it alone, or I might call someone to do the work with me. We also have a helpline on byronkatie.com where people they don't ask your name they don't ask where you're from and you just go with a judge a neighbor worksheet and they work with you it's free Mm, I love that that's an amazing service we'll get back to Byron Katie in just a second since I've been cooped up at home I've been on a bit of a food swing I'm trying to be a little more mindful around meals and making time to sit down and enjoy what I'm eating. This is easier said than done considering I'm working from my bedroom right now and I have two little boys running around all day. One thing that obviously makes breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home easier is having some already made meals on hand. And if you're looking for a delivery option, Saqqara Life is still delivering their organic nutrition program. They deliver fresh, ready-to-eat meals nationwide and right to your door. Their menu of chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly and is designed to support overall health. All of their meals are organic, plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, non-GMO, and contain no refined sugar. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com goop 
or enter code GOOP20 at checkout. That's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash GOOP to get 20% off your first order. Over the past several years, we've held eight intensive in-person wellness summits called InGoop Health. They have been some of my favorite days. If you've ever attended one, you know how fun they are and how goopy they get, and also that they are highly produced affairs. The team pays attention to every single detail, and the gift bag at the end of the day is legendary. But the most meaningful part of the experience is the community that has formed around InGoop Health, full of people who want to connect more deeply with themselves, the people in their lives, and the world around them. Right now, this community feels more important than ever. And for a long time, we've wanted to find a way to make it and the spirit of InGoop Health more accessible to people wherever they're at. So we've decided to host a digital series of InGoop Health sessions. Each Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, me or GP will kick off a one-hour wellness session with an expert we admire. We'll cover spirituality workshops, more intimate conversations, workout classes, and practical effective takeaway tools for navigating this time. The sessions will be live streamed on YouTube initially and they are free to join. If you can, we hope you'll consider making a donation to Doctors Without Borders. I'm very excited for our next session on Wednesday, May 27th. It's with Ambie Cavanaugh, who will decode some current celestial events and then guide us through a Reiki-infused sound bath. I hope you'll tune in, plug in your earphones, close your eyes, and soak up some cosmic consciousness. I'll be right there along with you. I hope you can join us this week and every Wednesday for the series. To learn more, head to goop.com slash ingoophealth. You can also watch our previously recorded sessions there. That's goop.com slash ingoophealth. Back to my chat with Byron Katie. So going to that some of the bigger conversation, the big, I'd say probably the big conversation that's happening right now with COVID and that comes up in, in the book is I guess it gets into the your business, my business, God's business, is -hmm. this idea that we all feel like in order to change the world, in order to save the environment, in order to protect everyone's health, it's sort of this, you have to be anxious to be motivated, you have to be stressed to continue to try to make things better. And you point out how that's, there's so much sort of fake thought in that. Can you sort of take us through that, this idea that we're sort of using war to wage war when we should be using peace? Well, for me, having done my work, again, it makes me a good listener. And the, and I have found I am saving the world. I am, I am, they have asked me to stay at home. I'm 77 years old. Old people stay home. And so I, I'm <laughs> the world by staying home. I mean, how simple is that? And I'm not copying out because immediately I began to do, you know, the put, put the work for breakfast together. And people don't have to pay for that or they can contribute, thank goodness, some of them do. And I'm doing a service. I'm staying at home. That's a service. Now, if I were a doctor... You know, I can't, I can't answer, but I cannot say that I have that kind of courage and dedication. Mm. I've been given this, I've been given this gift, and so I give it. Now, if I were a doctor or a nurse or the people in the hospital supporting those doctors and nurses and, and all that, the, and the ambulance drivers and the firefighters that are turning into... Oh my! On and on and on. I don't know, Elise, that I have that kind of courage, and I'm not called on to do it. And the only mm-hmm. way I find out is if I'm called. And in the meantime, I'm called to this, and so I do it well. And you know, the stay at home, and to give what I have for better or for worse, and and I give that to my my family, to my husband. You know, a sane state of mind and we're all called out of that 
and and we're not called to give more than we actually can give, even though our ego would tell us differently. And then we will feel guilty and yada, yada, yada. And that's what the work's for. It's to wake us up to reality and the gift of what we have right here, right now. Who would we be without our stories when we are so frightened or worried or feeling so guilty right here, right now? And, you know, just to going back to pick up the socks, what can I do? Maybe it is just picking up the socks. What mm-hmm. I have is in front of me until this wisdom shows me what's next. Now, if I'm worried, 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 I need to do the work, identify the thoughts that are causing the fear and question those thoughts And then that leaves room for wisdom to live. I'm aware of it, but as long as all the he should, he shouldn't, she doesn't, she does, I this, I that. As long as all that's running, there's no, there is no space for me to tap into that pool of wisdom. There is like layers of ego on top of it. And so that's what the work's for. It's like it's it's going home every time we do this work. And so for those of us who are, you know, in a in a tizzy about let's say climate change or the economy, you can't you one, it's sort of again if you're going into the is it true, this idea that any one of us can change or interfere with I guess you would call that part God's work, right? Some of these things are simply not in our control and that what's in our control is our work, our, our, our business. That's all we have control over. There are people starving in the world, people starving in the world. Oh gosh, I'm so worried. Oh, I'm just so, oh, that breaks my heart. Oh God, I'm so depressed and everything. You know, I just work on that and, and see, you know, what am I starving for? Just Mm. air to breathe. I have everything I need to be happy. And here I am miserable. I'm starving to death for maybe a little joy or being in touch. But I do the work on that. And then I give what I have. But no, I have to go do it myself. Me, me, me. I, I, I. There are so many ways to change the world and we can do it from where we are if we're wise enough to be in touch with it. And we needn't feel guilty. This is earth school. This is where we discover what matters and, and the world is in us. Meaning, you know, like I'm sitting here, I'm talking to you, and, and I'm thinking of, let's say, I'm thinking of my husband, I'm thinking of my grandchildren, I'm thinking of the world, I'm thinking of the starving people. Now, all of that is in me. The world, that's what's meant by the world is in me. So if I don't love the world, I need to look at the judgments I have on the world and write those down and question them. But until then... Oh, the starving people, I should be there. Oh, I should pack up. You know, people in my house want dinner, but oh, I'm just too worried and depressed to do it. People are starving. Well, my family, you know, my family's starving too. And and maybe for all kinds of things, you know, not just for dinner, but a little compassion, a little kindness. A li- those things go, oh boy, they, they're not little. They go a long way because... Yeah doing it authentically they expect nothing in return giving is the receiving it's one motion it's not two where do you think that this sort of misplaced belief that suffering and caring are the same thing or that suffering is inherent in caring where did that come from oh insanity you know it's 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 like the ego just trying to identify as a you know, ego is a state of mind. It's not an object. But the ego's whole shtick is to is to imagine itself as a human being. 
And mind can never be physical. It's not. It's crazy. So all this past future going on, it's a movie. It's a state of mind. And all pain and suffering come out of that. So if I am mentally in California and my daughter is in Texas with my grandchildren and I'm imagining how she's raising my grandchildren and and what they're doing and, and on and on and on, then I'm in California running her life in my head and she's in Texas. And now I'm in Texas running my daughter's life and there's no one in California for me. There's, there's no one here for me. I'm living out of, out of my, you know, like my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, my this, my this, my that. And so to stay home allows us to, to live a life that is so fulfilling Moving back to that three kinds of business. Whose business is is whose business is my daughter's life? Okay, that's hers. Whose business is my life? Okay, that's mine. Whose business is the state of the world? Let's just say that's God's business. It's it's hurricanes and earthquakes and COVID virus and and that's God's business. So I have a lot to do just staying in my own business, and the world is better off that I do. Because when I was trying to save the world, oh, it was such a hard job, and I was always so tired, and, oh, and people didn't listen to me, and they just didn't understand me, and oh, yada yada yada. I I I mean, me. <laughs> Have you ever yeah. had a thought that wasn't about you? It's so fun to look at that. Right? No, probably not. Yeah, I mean... it's so much fun. <laughs> Get still. Oh my gosh! If I just to notice thoughts it's like oh there was a thought about my husband it's like he I think oh that was that was about me yeah it's so true and and it is a a trick of the ego even when it seems like it's it's for the common good right and I think a lot of us get caught in that and I think one of the misperceptions about the work or about your point of view on the world is that you're somehow condoning things like war, rape, et cetera, that we're all supposed to just accept these things. And you're, you're not probably the opposite. The end of war with the self is the end of the war with others, with your children, your spouses, your relatives, the people in your life in the world. You know, the end of war, we just look to ourselves. And when that ends... There's peace. And no two people live in the same world. So I'm just dealing with my world. Each of us deals with their world or not. And we're all doing our best. But there's peace in my world. And I love my world. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. They can they can love the world. It's what we're thinking and believing about the world that needs a little work. And the world is that push that pushes us in this earth school to get what we came for. And that is peace of mind. Peace of mind, it knows how to clean up carbon. It, it lives out of a, 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 a wisdom and a curiosity that drives it. It's not fear and worry that drives it. It's wisdom and curiosity, and there's nothing to stop that state of mind. It, it's, it, it is where we are at our primo best. Yeah. I love your answer in, in loving what is to that question about things like war. And you say, how could I condone them? I'm not crazy. I simply notice that if I believe they shouldn't exist when they do exist, I suffer. They exist until they don't. Can I just end the war in me? Can I stop raping myself and others with my abusive thoughts? If not, I'm continuing in myself the very thing that I want to end in the world. Yep. I want the politicians and all the warriors, to. I want them to stop doing war. Well, let me just begin here with my family. Let me end the war here. Because if I can't do that, I am not qualified to dictate to people doing war. 
Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's the ultimate arrogance. To, oh, that, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. And you know, also, Elise, if, if I believed, you know, we can, we can pick what we consider to be the worst person in history or one of them. And I can tell you that if I believed what they believed, that would have to be my life too. Mm-hmm. So anyone living a life of suffering that hurts someone else and or anyone feeling guilt, like you say or do something, it just comes out of our mouth, you know, and we have our motives and then we defend it and but it doesn't fly with us. We feel guilt and then we can we become angrier and then we think it's their fault. So if I can that's if I believed what that person, that wrongdoer believed, I'd have no choice either. So I look at what I believe, what runs through my head, and when it brings an emotion like stress or worry or contempt or any of those emotions, I identify what I'm thinking and believing. I move it from my mind to paper. I write it down. And I question it. And I don't I don't know what the results are going to be. All I know is every time I do it, my life shifts and I become a kinder, more caring human being. Mm-hmm. No, it makes so much sense just thinking about even the politi- politics of the day and how triggering they are to everyone except for you. But oh, just... We can't, we can't say except for me because... <laughs> Oh, you, you. (laughs) Because who's going to believe that freedom is possible, this kind of freedom is possible, if I guess enough of us have the experience, you know, just in those moments to know it is possible. So, yeah, okay, okay, you can have that. (laughs) But but no one can know if I'm free or not, you know? It's... yeah. yeah, it's. I certainly appear to be, but if you were to ask me, are you free? I'd say, as far as I know. Yeah, and time will tell. But Earth I guess school will show me. <laughs> Earth school will show us all. But I guess a question would be on for those. So I try to control, like I try to control what I am seeing, and and so that I don't get worked up. Obviously, I need to sort of do the work on why I'm getting worked up. But I've also, you know, can say clearly, and I think it's reflected in the work, like I can't, there's nothing for me to do there. My anxiety and stress and anger and frustration isn't going to change reality. I can try to keep myself in a place of peace and calm and reserve my energy for things that feel productive for me. And then I can do what I can do, which is vote, right? So how do you ever, is there always then work to do there? Or is it better to not do that work and just avoid things that you know are an endless work cycle? No, I just, I just, like everyone else, do the best I can. And then if I'm ever out of sorts, I know the cause. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm thinking and believing. And so I can work that, in other words, question it, or not. It's nothing I have to do, and it's nothing that anyone has to do. For some of us, it just kind of builds and builds and builds, you know, builds up in us until we hurt someone we love. We say or do something that's hurtful, and, and we just think, Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm just so sorry. Well, what was I thinking and believing just Mm. prior to saying what I said or doing what I did? And then I can see the cause. I'm awake to it. And that shifts my entire life because I'm more awake. And Mm -hmm. again, anyone has to do I just imagine there are people out there just having they just they just don't need this and if they ever do it's available Mm, yeah I just never have thought anyone needed this it just that's we all have to speak for ourselves you know right yeah no for sure that was a great question honey thank you for that 
just bringing it, I know we're, we're almost out of time, but man, I could talk to you all day. So just bringing it back to COVID and what we're seeing sort of play out. And I don't have any, I'm not, I don't know that there's work here for me because I'm in a more of a observing place, but clearly people are worried about their own health. They're angry at others for opening too soon or not wearing a mask everywhere or whatever it might be, or they're worried about the economy or they feel like people are either holding back the economy or et cetera. It, as you know, it's every permutation. Is the is there a basic story? Is it is it is the work primarily there about just our own feelings of safety, or is it about wanting to have control over other people's business, or is there a theme? Let's let's say yeah, there is a theme. People should be more respectful. People yeah. should be more aware. I want people to realize they're endangering other people. To be happy, I need people to stay at home. You know, that's a good one to be on paper. All of those are good ones. But, you know, I was during old people's hour when they <laughs> opened. <laughs> but, you know, watching people, they're not six feet apart. People are crazy. Is it true? People don't care. And and then I look at the, the people, you know, in, in, in the stores and those essential stores behind those plastic counters, which is really cool. But, you know, I, I watch how people aren't always respectful of those people that have to put in those time. You know, those plastic things just came up maybe two weeks ago. And prior to that, you know, oh, boy. I don't know how those people, I don't know how they do it working out there. They're, they're just entirely generous. They're, the, they're yeah. the, the people that don't respect them. And, you, you know, there's so much to question. There's so much to question. What I would question is how can people treat them that way? How can they be so disrespectful? People are disrespectful. Is it true? Can I absolutely know that it's true that that person that I saw this morning is disrespectful. And as I sit in that, you know, I become aware of maybe they're just absolutely not aware. Maybe they don't listen to the news. Maybe the, I mean, they're, you know, my mind is just so full. And what is respect? And maybe I'll just look it up in the dictionary. You know, I just, I just, I just want to know. Because if I see a human being as anything less than, than beautiful, then I need to look to me and what I'm thinking and believe me that would believing that would cause me not to connect with that person. It doesn't mean I have to speak to them, talk to mm-hmm. them, be with them, ever see them again in my life or even smile at them. But am I connected to the human race? That's, that is where I'm the happiest. I want to be comfortable wherever I am, stay six feet apart, or more, if there's room. Oh my gosh, it's, it's, I take a drive where there are no people and a couple of times. And yesterday was one of those days. And my gosh, there were people all over the beach. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, how can they? And then I looked and I really looked again because those questions are alive. Who would I be without it, without the thought? And they were, there were families that were close. And then there was more than six feet. There were there were couples. There was, you know, people were space. And my eagle would see all those people on the beach. But I looked a little more. Then I saw some surfers at another place. And they were more than six feet apart. And, you know, my ego would take this 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 world and rip it to shreds. But when I really ask, is it true, it slows me down and I can see in that space what wasn't available to me without the question, is it true? And if it weren't true and the surfers were were too close, then what's yeah. the inquiry? Then I just move on to that next question. How do yeah. I walk? What happens when I believe the thought? I become indignant. And immediately, I am superior and they're less than for sure. 
and you hear my attitude in my voice and my body takes that on tisk tisk and, and, <laughs> and you know, that attitude and my shoulders get a little stiff and I'm prideful and I'm you know there's me and then there's those people in the world and and ah oh, you you see the the inequality we want equality really look to ourselves and then the last question who would i with, be without it would i be without my story and then i can see you know basically it comes down to we're all doing the best that we can when we consider what we're thinking and believing mm. The end of war with the self is the end of war with the people and world that I live in. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Byron Katie. For more on Byron Katie, head to thework.com. And right now she's offering a daily work for breakfast Zoom call for free, which you can sign up for on her site. And all of the tools and worksheets that she mentioned are also there, and they're also free. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.